Um, if anybody doesn't have their notes from last week, we have a few extra copies that my wife has. Anybody not have their notes from next or from last week? We're finishing up last week's notes. You know, Paul, while she's passing those out, I've been thinking all week about my son's question from last week at the Mexican restaurant. The, the, all of them were except maybe the original may have not have been. It, well, it was the first one where it talks about convicting, and his question was, what is that? And I've been chewing on that all week long because I'm more, even in the words I'm using right now, I'm more convinced, right, convinced, convicted of the idea that it's less about, like, I feel this and more about a, like, if I have a conviction of something, it's not necessarily that I feel it, an emotional thing, it could, that could be there. But really, it's, my, why do I believe what I believe? That's my conviction, right? I've been thinking about that and thinking, you know, I think that's actually probably a better understanding of that word than we usually think of it as, like in Christianese, like, oh, I felt really, I felt convicted, but I don't know. Yeah, right? I think especially when it says convicts the world. I think that's what that is. Anyway. All right. <clears throat> that conversation? <laughs> it, not it, indirectly. Indirectly. I should just bring it up and just talk about it. Um, I'm going to pray first. And then we're going to get into, this is actually a continuation of last week's. Paul started last week. We made it through the first seven, um, and he had, how many did you, you had 18 all together. Um, so we may not get through all of them, but that's okay. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for this day. I thank you that we are here. I thank you for each soul that is present in this room this morning. I would ask that you would, uh, Lord, be with us, Lord, present, and in a present reality with us. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be here as we discuss your spirit. Lord, we pray for your spirit's power and uh, conviction and influence and indwelling. Lord, all of these things we ask for, and I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. So what, what I was talking about a moment ago, so after, so we're talking about the Spirit, what the Spirit does. I think the question was, what does the, how does the Holy Spirit help us? And uh, so we went out to eat, and if you guys, I'm going to talk about him since he's not here, my son Josiah, um, he's in this question everything phase. <laughs> Charity hates it. Um, there, there's aspects of it that I really like to really just think, 
what does this mean? What, what do you really mean when you say that? And so one of his questions, sometimes he'll ask a question and it'll leave me just thinking about it myself because I know that, I know that he's not going to take the pat answer. Do you know what I mean by the pat answer? If you give him the pat answer, that's not good enough. He, he wants you to think about it and give him a real answer. And uh, <clears throat> so the question that came up, of course, he was, he, his paper was full of like 50 questions on his notes from last week that he wanted to ask about. And one of them that I couldn't get away from, he asked last week, and I just couldn't get away from at, during lunch, he asked this question, had to do with the very first one. It says, the Spirit convicts a person of sin, righteousness, and judgment, John uh, first, or John 16, 8 through 11. Um, we talked about, I don't know if that's, I think that's that verse where it says, the Holy Spirit has been sent into the world to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment to come, which is a very interesting thing when you really start thinking about it. And this is why I appreciate what Joe does, is he's really thinking about what, what's actually being said there. And think, and think about that verse, convicts the world. So first, my first thought, and I had this one years ago, was, Okay, so somebody goes, I believe I'm saved because I get convicted of sin. According to that scripture, are Christians the only ones that get convicted of sin? No. The Holy Spirit. In fact, could you say, are Christians the only ones that get convicted by the Holy Spirit of God? No, because what does that verse say? The Holy Spirit has been sent into the world to convict the world of three things. Sin righteousness, and judgment to come. But that wasn't Joe's question. Joe's question was, what does that even mean? Right? Now, I have special insight into Joe's brain because Joe's brain and my brain are very similar. Okay, Joe's brain, where's my, oh, she's here, so. Joe's brain and my wife's brain are not as similar as my brain and Joe's brain. Their brains think differently. Would you agree with that? That's, which is true, by the way. Your brains are not fully... De- Sorry. Your brains are not fully developed until you get to what? Like 20? 30 is a good year. Your mom says 30. So you guys are not functioning on fully developed brains yet. <laughs> yes, that is the point I was trying to make. Actually, uh, the point I was trying to make was... So I, I went through not to the degree that he did verbally, but I went through a lot of those same questions myself. Because, and I'll give you, this is why this one stuck with me, this idea of conviction, okay? Do you guys mind walking through a thought process with me? Is that okay? I mean, I know we have like 18 points of spirit to get through, but uh, we went back to point one. That's not your plan. Um, so I know that for myself, and I, so a lot of times he'll ask a question, and I, like, I know right where he's going with it, because I've thought that myself. What does that even mean? What does it really mean to be convicted by the Spirit of God? Okay? I would say, and tell me if you think I'm right or wrong, I would say that the majority of people within churchianity would describe, do you guys know churchianity? Have you heard that word before? <laughs> it's, it's the outward expression that, that we see of church. Churchianity is the word I like to give to, I mean, you have to understand, is everybody in church a Christian? 
Is everybody in the church according to God's view a Christian? Yes. Is everybody in churches Christians? No. So, so churchianity is that term that I, I like to give. So everybody, I think most people in, in churches would probably, the pat answer would be to describe conviction as, and then they would, whatever they would say next would fall into the category of some version of feeling or emotion. Would you agree with that? Like I felt convicted, like I felt bad about it or felt guilty. Would you guys agree with that? Um, so I've been wrestling with this all week. I would actually probably say, step away from the pulpit because I don't know. I would actually probably say that that word would be better understood if it was used in a sentence like this. I have a strong conviction that, now you can have a conviction about something and you may not feel anything at all. It's an acknowledgement or recognition of something. I would say that's probably closer to what the Bible's talking about when it talks about that. And then I'll, I'll tell you why I think this is helpful for Joe and for me and maybe for somebody else. Um, I would say probably that word conviction is less about... I'll give you, I'll give you a couple examples. Have you ever done something wrong and you don't necessarily... It's not that you feel bad about it, you just... In your gut, you know that's wrong. That's conviction. Not, oh man, I feel really bad about it. In fact, and this is where I start to verge into the where it's helpful. For me, I spent a lot of time in my Christian walk early on thinking there was something wrong with me that I didn't feel as bad as I, probably, I thought I ought to feel. Because I'd hear other Christians talking about they're convict. I felt so convicted, and I'm like, well, I didn't feel that convicted. I kind of liked <laughs> it. <laughs> but then if you start to shift it and understand that maybe the, the workings of the Spirit, the conviction of the Spirit, is, is less about um, that booming thunder of emotion, but maybe more about that still small voice in the back of your head that says, that's not right. Now, could conviction exhibit itself in strong emotion? Sure. Does it always have to? No. Okay. So, thoughts on that? that was, that's what I've been thinking about all week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
No, I get, I get what you're saying. I do. Yeah, I think the emotion comes once the acknowledgement of I am broken. And that, you know, the conviction can happen without acknowledgement mm-hmm. of that. I think that, you know, the spirit convicted the world is that we are all convicted now, no matter what. And it's the Right. And even think about um, something that spurred that thought on was uh, you'd mentioned, I don't remember if it was during that conversation, but you'd, we'd started to get into it, but then we got sidetracked with burritos and tacos. Um, and so then we were convicted to eat the tacos over the conversation. Um, but uh, you said something about even that passage talks about the law of God is written on their hearts. I think that that could actually be a connection to the Holy, how the Holy Spirit convicts the world. He's written His law upon our hearts, and so why does somebody that knows nothing about Christianity, why would they know something is right or something is wrong? Apart, and which is actually there's been whole books written on that, where people who are atheists have to try to come up with an answer about right and wrong. How, how does how does the world know? I mean, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, it talks about our consciences bearing witness as well. Is that the one you're um, I also know there's the one that talks about not searing your conscience. I always think of the conscience as, and I don't know if this is accurate at all, so I've moved even further away from the pulpit. But, um,. I always think of the conscience as, like, like my hand has touch receptivity, right? I can, okay, what's this feel like, and what's this, you know, I can, the conscience, I, I, I operate in my mind as the conscience is that, like, spirit sensitivity. That's probably not accurate. I don't know. But that's how it operates in my head, okay? Um, I want to throw one more thing in there, why I think everything I'm saying is important. There's two, two reasons. One is for, and Joe, I'm so sorry, Joe, if, you, if he ever listens to this recording, I'm talking about him. Um, somebody like Joe and somebody like myself, who are not overly emotional people, um, it can be difficult in church. I'm, I'm just being honest with you guys. I, I'll give you the, the flip side to this. Say you're sitting in church, and it's praise time, and you see somebody, like, just praising and it's, they're full of, and they, they would describe it as the Spirit of God, right? I'm sitting there. I'm not an emotional person. I have probably two times or three times in my whole life sang in church and been like moved. Some of you are like, how can you be? I feel like I'm a very spiritual person. I don't think spiritual is that. I think that can be a manifestation of what is spiritual, I also think it can be a manifestation of, for lack of a better term, <laughs> okay? Um, <clears throat> I, so somebody like Joe, the reason, one of the reasons why he asks about questions like that is because I think he's a little bit like me. I used to hear people talk about feeling this and feeling this and feeling this, and I'm sitting there going, I'm not feeling half those things you're talking about. I know I'm wrong, 
I know what's right. I know I need to do it. In fact, most of my feelings are telling me to do the wrong thing, and I'm just fighting that all the time, which actually fits a little bit more into my understanding of, of other scriptures as well, right? Um, stuck in this body of flesh, wrestling with these things. And so I spent, I spent ages of my early Christian walk thinking I must be doing something wrong that I'm not feeling more like doing the right thing. And my biggest steps of growth when I, is when I started to understand or believe that the working of the Spirit in my life, now at first I used to think that maybe it's just me, but the working of the Spirit in my life was always going to be a little bit more like, Matt, seriously, what are you doing? That's, that's wrong. Sometimes the Spirit worked in my heart this way. <clears throat> and that was about the extent of it. Um, so it's important for somebody, and that's, that's at the heart of a question like Josiah's, is that when he comes in, and if you hear people talking about, and let's be honest, sometimes the more emotional people are, are sometimes the more verbal. And so they're talking about all, what they felt and experienced, and you get somebody like Joe going, what, what I, how I struggled, like maybe there's something wrong with me. And I, I don't think that anymore. I mean, the only thing wrong with me is what's wrong with all of us. We have a sin nature, right? Um, we were born sinful creatures. So, so that's, that's one reason why I think it's important. Thought, thoughts on that? I had a, one other one, but I, I just... What, what are you guys thinking about any of all this? I, I'll give you the other reason why this is important. When we talk about the working of the Spirit, that's what the question was about, and this is why I felt okay digging into this. When we talk about the workings of the Spirit, I think it's important to understand many of the workings of the Spirit are less what we might call mystical and sometimes are much more tangible. Okay? And that to me is the difference between those two ideas of conviction. I very seldom have God work in my life in a way that I would describe as mystical. Right? Like a voice spoke to me, or I, I mean, that just doesn't happen. I wish it would, didn't you? <laughs> wish it would more often than it does. Um, but many of these things we talk about as the workings of the Spirit, I think, less, it's not that I hear or see what I would put in that category and deny it. I, absolutely. In fact, I, I'm happy for people that have that. Um, I do think there's dangers in it. Uh, I'll give you one, and then we'll move back to this. I'm going back to my analogy of singing. Say somebody comes in. We'll call this person. I'm trying to think of a word, a name that we don't have in the room. Who? Trenton. There's no Trentons in here. No Trentons? Okay. Trenton walks in. Trenton is sitting in there, and Trenton, is he loves the praise music and just praising Jesus. And, just, and the song says he's crying preaching comes and he's like intent just right he goes out and how he's living his life is not that Trenton might think in his mind God is really working on me and he might feel very spiritual but I would argue and say you don't have the conviction of the spirit in your life the way it ought to be because you're not convicted of certain ways of living Right? Does that have anything to do with personality? Can you raise two kids? Uh, sure. My pride, your heart, 
Yeah. Personality, but but I think that to take it back to Trenton, poor Trenton, um, is someone. I mean, what what's what is our spiritual act of worship in Romans? Anybody know Romans Romans twelve? Therefore, present your bodies as a holy, acceptable, which is your spiritual act of worship. Presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, living sacrifice, is less about you raising your hands in song and more about not Trenton not leaving and going and living with his girlfriend. Right. Yeah, right? But it, I, I mentioned that because notice it says your spiritual act of worship. Those, the spiritual and the worship we usually put into the category of, I think, emotion, right? And yet Paul put it into the category of Obedient behavior. Okay? I'm happy for you if, you, if you're just, whoa. I, I wish sometimes I was more <laughs> moved. Um, honestly, you know, you know what moves me more than anything else? I love sitting underneath like a professor explaining biblical theology to me. That moves me. <laughs> I'm like, we could skip the music every week and I could jump right into it. I can't do that. I know. <laughs> but it's it, it that's just that's not what it does it for me. Does that make sense? It's just not the thing that does it for me. Which means in our list of things we're going to preach about, I didn't pick the one on music <laughs> and how music goes because I would I, I need to learn something. I think. Okay, I'm sorry. I just wasted most of our time. Yeah. We'll let the spirit lead. It's but gosh, that that's so. That's so exactly what it, right? I mean, what, what is it? What is the spirit leading? That's, Joe would be, if Joe was here, he'd be like, what's that even mean? What does that, what are you even talking about? The spirit led you to, like, he would want to know what does that mean, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm very mathematical when I pray. What are the requests? This is what we need. Here they are. When I pray for the food, I I, I appreciate people that have the ability to elaborate. When I pray for my food, I'm usually like, same prayer every time. Thank you for today. Thank you for the food. Pray that you bless it. Nourish your body. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean every word of it when I say it. <laughs> um, anyway, all right. Let's let, let's let's go let's go to our some of our things and let's take some of this idea into this because I think the very next passage is Ephesians five eighteen. Hmm. What in the world is? What's that? Oh, yes. Ephesians 5.18. Would somebody like to read Ephesians 5.18 for me? If I have it, would like to read it? Pop your hand up. I'll call on you. You guys know where Ephesians is? <laughs> hmm. um, WWJA, what would Joe ask? 
do not get drunk with wine, but be, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Joe would be like, what's that even mean, right? What's filled with the Spirit? Well, let's, well what does that mean? Control, I think that's in there. That's great. That's, a, that's actually what you had down, right? Um, in your notes from last week, we didn't get to this, but he, I gave, he gave me his notes, controlling, filling as a controlling. You think about being drunk with wine. Um, you're consuming what you're consuming. You're consuming, you're consuming. You start to have that controlling effect on you. We're not to have these things have a controlling effect on us. The thing that we should have a, have a controlling effect on us is the spirit. Now, Wine does not have a controlling effect on me because I consume it and then I go, okay, wine, do your job, right? In fact, if you're hoping, if you're of the mindset, I'm hoping that it'll have a controlling effect on me, the most you can do is consume it hoping that it'll do it, right? Maybe there's a little bit of truth to that with the way you are consuming of the things that are spiritual, filling yourself with the word, Right, filling yourself with these things of God. In the, in the end, we don't make the Spirit do it. Like, be filled with the Spirit. You can't, like, right? But as you consume and fill yourself up, you're, you're hoping for that effect of the Spirit to have those influences on you, right? Hmm. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Or deny the control. Yeah. And then if then you start then you start wrapping your mind about what what happens with if they you feel the compulsion to obey but then you still don't. What's that mean? Right? There's, there's some things that are going on there as well where you have to say, okay, let's, let's dig down. This is, and this is why I actually really appreciate Josiah's question sometimes because he's, let's not, don't give me the pat answer. What, what are you talking about, right? No, I think that's good. Any other thoughts on that one before we move to the next one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a reality of how we are, isn't it? I mean, that, us as people, what, we're, what you consume is so often what comes out. Um, all right, next one has three. Numbers 11, 17. Uh, and if somebody else wants to look up 1 Samuel 11, verses 6 and 7, you have the references on the paper, right? And then if somebody else wants to look up Acts 4.31... If nobody volunteers, I will read these. But uh, if I have a volunteer for Numbers 11, 17. What are the activities for Ephesians 5, 5.18? Um, you had done filling as controlling. I like that you said controlling. I think that's a good way to think about it. It's, um, it is controlling. I think it's influencing, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's what we call it when you have too much wine. You're under the influence, Right. Yeah. Uh, you got that one? Numbers up? Okay, go ahead. Uh, numbers 11, 17. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, 
not bury yourself alone. Um, anybody know who that's talking about? Who's talking and who's, who's being talked to? Anybody know? I, you may know just because you're there. What, who is it? Yeah, he, God's talking to him saying, I'm going to come down and talk with you there. Take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. That's weird, isn't it? Um, how about the next one? First Samuel 11, 6 and 7. Anybody got that one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so this one is talking about King Saul. It's earlier on in his ministry. It says, the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul. And then he did something that hopefully most of us don't do when the Spirit of God rushes on us. He grabs a bunch of oxen and cuts them into pieces. And sends them out to everybody and says, hey, if you don't get behind what God's doing through Saul and Samuel, this is what I'm going to do to all your oxen too. Um, Acts 4.31 Anybody got that one? Good. All right, so with all three of these, what's, what's something that you saw related to the Spirit with all three of them? He moves. He moves. Let's see, in the first one, he, was, he says he's going to take some of the Spirit and you put, excuse me, put on these these other people and it was so they could do something right right so they're going to help moses bear the burden and the next one spirit of god rushed on saul and he did something right last one um spirit rushes on them fills them all with the spirit and they start speaking the word of god with boldness and so i, I think kind of the idea here with these three is the spirit empowering or, or I think empowering action. Um, Paul had down feeling as special empowering, which I think is good to throw that in there because King Saul, if you start asking the question, was he saved? I gotta be honest, I think the answer is probably no. Right? So this spirit empowering isn't the same thing as being saved. Something else going on here? Um, lots of thoughts we could work on that, but let's just grab the one important part. The Spirit does at times rush into a situation and things happen. People start doing stuff. They're empowered to do things. Okay? So we could just put down, I like that, filling as a special empowering. Okay? Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Next one. John Fort. Yes? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know about that. Really? Yeah. Um, I. Yeah, there is definitely something different. I don't know if it could be because I look at somebody like Abraham. I think in some way he was also sealed by the Spirit of God because apart from the Spirit, you can do nothing. 
I don't think it was the same. Couldn't be the same. But there's clearly realities in the Old Testament where the Spirit might come upon somebody and then leave them. Right? And if that's what you're talking about, then I would agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that what happened in the room is something unique and special that happened. Mm-hmm. But it's different than I think we're coming up to another point here in a second. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, I would disagree with the, the phrasing that she used to say nobody could, nobody could be saved because I, I believe that we'll stand in eternity with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, I think that Paul makes that argument that salvation was always the same. When he goes back to Romans, he says, it was always faith. Look at Abraham. He was justified by faith. This isn't something new, right? Um, I would have an issue with the way she said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, then there's another one. That Joe would be asking the same questions. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's just two different things going on. It's 
Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Has always been, always will be. And yeah. Nothing has changed. So, Father, Son, and Spirit existed before the world began. So, the Spirit there, and it's just a difference in Every once in a while, when we're we're looking at things like this, I feel like when I'm trying to understand it, it's kind of like the same experience as when I'm talking to, like I could talk to my kids now about how penicillin works, but when they were two, never going to get it. The the truths that they could get might be, Daddy loves you, this is going to hurt, it's okay, <laughs> right? And they get poked, and you're like, I'm so sorry. I think I usually went the route of, I can't believe that doctor did that to you. They're evil. Daddy will protect you, you know. Um, but I do think that there's aspects of that, and I think we were talking about this uh, Thursday night, that, I mean, just think about as, as you mature physically, there's things you can understand even better. I, I can't help but think that as we enter into eternity in a million years down the road, what things will we understand and be, even be able to understand then that we can't grasp yet, right? I think we, we try to and we work at it, but there's sometimes I just go, I feel, like, I feel like the full explanation of this is just a step beyond my full comprehension. I got an idea, but it's just when I think I get a hold of it, it slips through my fingers and I go, I almost thought I had a handle on that. Um, all right, let's see here. Next one. I lost my, there we go. Uh, John 14, 26 and 16, 13. <clears throat> and let's think about what the Spirit does in this. It says, uh, John 14, 26, I'm going to read these two. Uh, John 14, 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. What's going on? What's the spirit doing in both of those? What do you see? Instruction, teaching, bringing things to remembrance. Um, I think that's an important one. Uh, when you think about this one, this, this is a good one to think, again, through that idea of the difference between the, the mystical version versus the more practical reality of the Spirit. Um, I, don't, I don't believe that the, the apostles were going... I don't believe that when John was writing John 14, 26, that the Spirit was going, but, but, the, the, helper, helper, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom, whom, right? I don't think that's how it was working. I think John was writing, the end result we can say is the very word of God. But he was writing as if he was just John, trusting the Spirit. And so as things were brought to his remembrance, where'd that come from? John might say, well, it felt like I just remembered it. 
But we know from this why and how did he remember the things that he did remember to put down. Who was it? The Holy Spirit. Right? Which is why the amazing thing that we have called the Bible has all these different personalities guided by the very Spirit of God. And we have Paul the Apostle using great grammar. And we have Peter using, meh, grammar. Fisherman grammar. Right? In the end, both. The very words of God has guided through these men. Um, the Spirit teaches, instructs. Um, on a practical note with that one, think about what's going to happen today in church. Paul has studied a topic from the Word of God. He's going to come up here, and, and in, in some ways it felt very just like study. What, what was his hope in the middle of that study? The Holy, yeah, Holy Spirit's working through, so that as he's, not that he, not to the same degree as inspiration, right? But there's still that hope that God will carry those things through, that, it's more, that there is something supernatural. Did it feel that way for Paul? Probably not most of the time. Probably most of the time he was, I mean, I know me when I'm studying, sometimes I'm just, it feels like work. It doesn't feel, woo, it feels, uh, how do I put this together? Sweating over it, you know, trying to, oh, how does this, getting stuck on a point, like, wait a minute, does this, should I put this first or this, logically, how will this make, it feels like work. But then he's going to come, and he's going he's to come up here, and he's going to attempt to use good verbal skills, right? Use some emotion, a lot of it naturally from the way he would do it. But he's hopefully going to use inflection and talk to him, talk, right? And he's do these things. But in the end, and you're going to be sitting here, and if you're trying to listen, and some, sometimes even while you're trying to listen, you're going to be sitting there going, I'm feeling very sleepy. I don't say you guys don't, because I'm telling you, we see everything up here. When you're sitting there going, and that one eye is like, I'm like, I'm trying to stay awake, but there's, there's one eyelid that's like, I ain't doing it. I'm done. <laughs> Tapping out. <laughs> and you're sitting there, and that's great. That's my favorite thing. I'd call you out on it, but I know it'd be too embarrassing. But when I'm looking around, and, it, and I'm like looking at you, and you're like, that's great. I love it. Um, but it, it feels like work. You're trying to listen, and it feels like work. You're trying you have to work at it. But in the end, what are, what are we hoping is in all of this? That, like if you actually walk away, like let's say, let's say one of you walks out of here and there's a piece of information, a piece of truth, God's truth, as God would de- decide this is truth, and you have a piece of it now in your brain that wasn't there before. Who can we ultimately go back to and say we can thank for God, through the workings of the Spirit, right? It may not feel that way. Now, some of you, it may. Some of you, I know, have experienced that because I've had people come in before and they sat down, and I've experienced this before. You ever sat down and it was like the preacher was looking directly at you the whole time, and it was like, did he, was he spying on me this week? (laughs) Right? Was he... I've had people come up and say that to me before, and in the back of my mind was going, I was going, 
I, I was saying out loud, that's great. And my back of my head is going, I didn't know you were here. <laughs> I didn't even realize you were here until just this minute. <laughs> did not see you at all. It, uh, how, did, how did that happen? This very spirit of God, we're, I mean, that's what we're going to hope for. We're going we're to get here, not for some weird supernatural thing, but we're, we're hoping for something very real and tangible that your brain, that meat computer up inside your skull, will acquire new information when you walk out of here. And we're hoping for the very Spirit of God to cause that to happen. Because if it doesn't, what's the point? What's the point? Teaching. Um, John 16, 14. I didn't, I'm not even going to get close. Okay. Just keep leave the rest. All right. Well, I'll stop then. Let me, let me, let's do this as we close, close this little Sunday school time. Sometimes we don't close with prayer. Let's do it. Let's do it today. Let's pray that exactly what we're talking about will happen today. That the very Spirit of God, the way He does this, would work in our hearts. That we would hear from Him today. That Paul would be the conduit audibly, and your eardrums would be a part of that process and everything will work right. Some of you, your eardrums aren't working as well as others, but, but we're, we're praying still that through that, right? That's what we're hoping for. So let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we come before you now as we're thinking about entering into this next part of this service where we've, we've done all these practical things. We've lined up, we've had Sunday school, we've, we're going to have this little break, we're going to do some songs, we're going to come back together. Paul's worked, he's studied, Lord, he's going to present uh, what he's learned to us, Lord, but our hope, our actual hope is that the very, your very spirit would be present in us, in Paul's words, in our hearts, in the way we hear, how we think, that the end result would be us hearing your truth and impacting us in a real way. That is our hope. Lord, I ask now because you are that hope, Lord, I pray that you would fulfill your promise and do this for us today. In Christ's name, amen.